Hi, everybody. This is Keith, Music Man Henlick, and tonight I am with Jacob Rudin, who is the artist Nathaniel, N-T-H-N-L, and I just covered recently his album, Tranquility Studies, Volume 2. Uh, welcome to the show, Jacob. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Glad to have you. And uh, I understand you just came back from a um, a retreat. What was that like? Um, it was wild. It was a uh, 10-day silent meditation retreat in Vipassana. Um, it was kind of beyond beyond what I could have imagined it would have been. Uh, it was like 10 hours a day of sitting, and then all other times you're just being totally silent. Um, it was at times amazing and at times just completely overwhelming in terms of just being cooped up. <laughs> right. So you feel that it benefited you in, in some ways after you left? Um, I think it will. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like you get so much practice and, um, I think in my daily practice, which I'm taking a little break from, um, my daily meditation practice, I think it's going to end up being super beneficial. So I'm sure people would like to know, um, your name's Jacob, but you go by Nathaniel and you abbreviated it. Is there a reason why you did it that way? Uh, it's my middle name is Nathaniel. Oh, and it's sort of, it's sort of a nod to my, um, the the first Rudin in America was Nathaniel. So it's like kind of a nod uh, to my heritage. I see. Okay. How long ago was that? Uh, Like around the turn of the century, around 1900. Ah, okay. So I listened to your um, studies, volume two, mm-hmm. with great, great interest in... Um, noted the fact that you felt that the sound waves coming in at the 7 to 10 hertz level was very critical to what you were trying to accomplish. Can you uh, delve into that a little bit? Explain to the audience what that, you know, the reason why you did it that way and what is the desired result? Yes, totally. So um, (laughs) in your body and in your brain you have these waves um, and they're sort of like electrical pulses that are like running back and forth between different regions of your brain and they kind of determine your state so the speed of them determines feeling Uh, so if you're in deep sleep for example um, that is like not dreaming the brain waves that are going that are most active are called delta waves, which are like the slowest waves, um, which is like 0.5 to 3 hertz or something. And those are just like kind of shutting your brain down. You have a constant hum, sort of like your electrical hum of your body, and that's at 10 hertz. So that's that's like what they call low alpha or high theta. And that's a really good grounding frequency because it's sort of just baseline state. If you go a little bit lower than that and you enter the theta range, that is considered, that is like typically considered a calming state because it's just below baseline, but it kind of brings you 
it brings you down. If you go higher than 10, you enter concentration states. Uh, that's like beta. And then you get up into gamma, 40 plus. You're dealing with anxiety, uh, fight or flight states. Um, so in using, yeah, like the purpose of the music is to sort of, um, first of all, be music. So, so be something that you listen to from start to finish. Um, it's sort of like somewhat narrative in form, but at the same time, there's this ambient component underneath and that is sort is uh, entraining you is what it's called. So it's it's like your brain, if it hears a stimulus or it sees like a light flashing at a certain speed, will sympathetically vibrate at that speed. So that's what's that's what's happening underneath the like playing of the instruments is it's almost like hypnotizing and soothing the brain while it while the brain is, while you're actively listening to the music. So it's like a subconscious thing that you're nearly not aware of. It's just happening. Pretty much. Yeah. Interesting. So where, where did you learn all that? Did you do some studies prior to making your music or? So I didn't do studies, but it, you know, if you go on like YouTube um, and just type in binaural beats or something like that, it, that's mm -hmm. the principle that they're using. Or, or if you look up like study music for, you know, or like, like theta study music or alpha study music. Um, so it, it, I don't know exactly. I don't remember exactly when I found out about it, but um, I'd say I've been interested in it for about three years. I, um, and 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 the the issue I find with that study music, or I don't know about issue, I mean it works for people and it's it's sort of really good background music, um, but that's what it is, and so it's it's hard to take somebody on an emotional journey with something that doesn't really build. So I wanted to main I wanted to both build and and keep, you know, something that swells and and has some drama to it. Because also that's good for like, you know, accessing emotional states and, you know, I have some pieces like number one or number four that start out pretty dark and, uh, and they end in a calm place. So, you know, if you want to, you can come to that sound bath, you can come to that meditation with something you want to let go of or something that's troubling you and you can really just think it you know you can you can just expose yourself to that feeling and then the music will take you out of it and you'll have faced it so this is volume two is this just an extension of volume one or did you go in some different directions on volume two um volume one's short form so volume one was really like the first my first experiments with this kind of music uh and each piece in volume one is like pretty different from the other pieces. Uh, and they're not sure, but about six months after volume one came out and things were opening up a little bit here in New York, I decided I wanted to start hosting a sound bath 
at this bar called Bar Jade uh, in Bushwick, which is in Brooklyn. And um, so I I started making music for it. I I had I would host these weekly sound baths. They were donation based. They did pretty okay for a little bit. Um, but I realized I wanted to make new music for them every week. So I was composing two sound baths every week with the intention of performing them at Jade Bar. Tranquility Studies Volume 2 is like the culmination of that effort. So when I perform live, the music that I'm performing live in the sound bath context is the music from Tranquility Studies Volume 2. So it's like longer form. It's designed for more like intentional listening. Whereas volume one is more just kind of seeing what I could do, like put dipping my toe in the water and, and seeing what kind of effect I could get with what. So prior to going in this direction in your life and, and with music, what were you doing? I mean, how did you get to this point where you decided to go in this direction and continue in it? Well, I, I've always done multiple things with music. So I'm, I'm still in a few different directions. Um, I guess I came upon this one through really through the computer through, um, I was learning this program called Max MSP, which is like a sort of music software where you can really in a very basic way code different musical ideas. So I was making these repetitive, you know, synthesized things. I don't know really how to describe it. They would just loop and repeat. They'd always be slightly different, but they would, it was very repetitive. And I was using these frequency ideas, you know, the brainwave entrainment stuff, low theta, the stuff that I use on Tranquility Studies Volume 2. And, um, I found that after working on it for 30 minutes, I was in a completely different mental state. I was just totally relaxed. So I thought to myself, there's something to this. You know, this music can actually help people. This can, if I can get it, you know, if I can get it to people and if I can create the right kind of sound, I can really, you know, people can use this to mm. to feel better. Definitely. So do you actually have people call upon you for sessions or is um, you just, you, you go to the, that venue and perform and you record your music or is there an extension of that? So I've done uh, a few private sessions. I mostly do group sessions at different venues. I've played, mm -hmm. uh, I've worked with like a corporate, sort of a corporate digital retreat. I've done yoga retreats. Um, I do yoga classes here, yin classes, and I do. My main gig, though, is the space called the Alchemist Kitchen, which is like a plant medicine space in Soho. And I actually have one there this coming Sunday. So you sound like you're really busy. I'm pretty busy, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and this is this isn't my job. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So, growing up, what did you listen to? How did you gradually get to the point where you were listening to healing music and new age music? What brought you there? Uh, 
Well, okay. Well, at first I was, I mean, and still, I guess, definitely still jazz and uh, R&B mm-hmm. was the big genres for me, specifically from the 50s and 60s. Uh, and my first CDs, the first CDs my dad ever got me were, was like a Marvin Gaye greatest hits and Al Green's greatest hits. And I was obsessed with these CDs. And then like a Motown compilation. That was the first thing I listened to. Yeah. And then I found my way to jazz uh, through this tune, Stolen Moments by Oliver Nelson. And that brought me into the world of jazz, which I love and have always loved. Um, and then uh, to a lesser extent, rock music, uh, techno, big, big into electronic music. So I guess the first link, the first thing that would lead to new age music was um, Psytrance. When I was in late high school, I was a big raver. And Psytrance music like Spangle and Hallucinogen and that stuff, that was sort of, I mean, I know that's not like totally in the new age camp, but it's, it's getting in that direction. Right. <laughs> it's closer to it. What about like Kraftwerk, Katero, anything like that? Did you get into that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely Kraftwerk. Uh, huge into Aphex Twin after high school and college. And um, and I guess the most significant link would be Andean flute music. Music of the Andes. Oh, that's different. Yeah, what what exactly is that? You know, it's like the pan flutes and the kennas and... Ah, okay, gotcha. Like music okay. from Peru. Right. The, the woodwinds and all of that. Oh yeah, that's the music that really made me fall in love with the flute, actually, and like made me realize what kind of potential it has to really like uplift. So, what instruments do you play right now? Um, I guess in order of proficiency, I'd say flute, piano. Piano is is sort of my first language instrument. I played that my whole life, but I, I've been working at flute long enough that I think I'm probably better at flute now. Uh, saxophone, clarinet, guitar, some like hand percussion, um, some flutes from different parts of the world. Wow. And clarinet, did I say? I think I said it. Yeah, I guess that's. Kind of, and I could play a little drum set. That's Just amazing. A so, besides that, you know how to use software programs and um, the you know the programming and that creates all these different sounds and so forth that you put into your music, right? Yeah. Like where you get the the waves of the birds tweeting. That's all pre-programmed yeah. stuff that you put in, right? Yeah, yeah, and I do the field recording myself too. That's a big part of what I love about this making this music is the field recording. Field recording. So being out on on site conducting yeah. uh one of your concerts? No, no. Um recording the sounds of the birds. And oh. recording the yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's that's better than computer enhanced, but you know, it's very hard to tell between the two these days. It's so yeah. advanced now, you know. Yeah, so. it's true. 
Well, the computer computer nature sounds will never be as good as the real thing. That's definitely a, a difference there, but you know, you, must, you would have to have a really sharp ear now to know what the difference is. I would think. <laughs> yeah. I so, you know, I'm I'm like kind of a purist with that stuff. So. I think that's great. I, you're doing it that way. Yeah, I like that. So is this something you plan on continuing doing and, and growing or do you have another yeah. direction in mind that you want to go from here? I mean, I have a few different directions I'd like to develop always, but this is one that is important to me and that I would like to keep going. I think um, this one could really, you know, turn into something that could help people. Definitely. I mean, outside the boundaries of New York. It sounds like you're busy enough there, but you really started to get things into other states and brought some apprentices in and um, taught them what you know and have people working all over the United States. I mean, there's definitely a need, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I would love to go uh, all over. Yeah, that's definitely an ambition of mine. I'm sure you'll do it if that's what you want to do. It sounds to me like yeah. you just set your mind to something and you do it. I mean, how long did it take you to learn to play all those instruments? How many years? Uh, well, I guess from the time I started playing piano, so 13 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's really not that long, but I'm just amazed at that. I mean, do you know how to read music or you just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I was a classical kid. That was, I went to a conservatory for classical music. Piano was my instrument, but I studied composition. Oh, that explains it. Why it's so easy for you to pick something up. Okay. It, I, I think it's an entirely different um, mindset and, and space for a musician to be in when they come from a place like you or somebody who just knows how to play by ear and doesn't know how to read music. It's two different things entirely. Yeah, but it is different things. But, um, you know, some musicians who just play by ear do some really incredible things. They do, and I, I just can't figure that one out at all. I don't get it. I don't know how that <laughs> it's, it's like magical, something spiritual going on there that I'll never Yeah, understand. it's really cool. <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, um, yeah. It's funny, I was having this conversation with some friends about, like, if the formal education is needed or not, and all the people who have formal educations are, like, talking about these experiences where they were with some composer who, like, has, you know, or for a film or something, who's never, who doesn't read music and who, you know, doesn't really have the educated background, and how maddening that experience was trying for that person to try to communicate to them, you know, what they wanted them to do. So everyone with the backgrounds like, no, you need the background, and then everyone who doesn't have the backgrounds like, you don't need the background. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coming from two different camps there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been great talking to you and getting to know you a bit more and understand where you're coming from with all your music, Jacob. And uh, I really enjoyed the Tranquility Studies Volume Two, and I look forward to what's on the horizon for you and. Uh, We'll get this interview out there, and I'll add it to your your review. Hopefully, the review 
brought some more listeners to you and encouraged you yeah. to doing what you're doing. So thank you so much. It was great talking to you, Keith, and thanks yeah, thanks for the review and everything. Absolutely. I appreciate your time. Appreciate your time too. Thanks. Take care now. All right. You too. Bye. Bye.